0: Welcome to ScreenQuest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts play film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And Will Rotondi. Hey, how's it going? It is going well. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the role of the lifetime for Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. We will, of course, draw a side quest. But first, Godzilla marathon update <laughs> 2.0. So I am officially one third of the way through the Godzilla franchise with regard to Toho specifically made films. Uh, I misspoke slightly in the last podcast when I said there's 33. There are 33 films if you count the anime, which I am not going to watch. Like they're the Netflix produced like anime. Um, I'm sticking to the main line. So uh, the good news for me is I have three less films that I need to watch but i've made through 10 of them technically almost 11 uh, i was in the middle of godzilla versus hedera before we started this podcast and uh that is the 11th film and i'm happy to say that despite some real real dark times uh in the godzilla like franchise uh some real low stinkers um <laughs> there's been some some decent movies and in fact the one i'm watching right now godzilla versus hedera is amazing like i my jaws on the floor with how like original and like fun it is so the premise is that there's like a sludge monster from outer space that just feeds on pollution and like it's a time where like that must have been very much at the forefront of conversations in the late 60s early 70s and japan is like suffering for the sins of their you know um transgressions against mother earth with this monster that's getting bigger and more powerful by the second from all the pollution that it's feeding on it's got lots of like psychedelic like 60s and like you know 70s kind of like imagery and like songs and music like i've not seen anything like this in the godzilla like franchise and i i think it's amazing like really really enjoying it Petrasly, like i said there's been some rough ones i hate baby godzilla like so much I just like the one that I watched before that was called All Monsters Attack and it features a talking baby Godzilla who befriends this child and his imagination. like he's like a kid that's getting bullied and like size wise doesn't even make sense? like he's the size of the child one minute and then he's like, a quarter of the way up godzilla the next minute um and a guy, i just hate that little like Cretan. like <laughs> the best part about that movie was that he gets like absolutely like battered for most of it by other monsters like i was like oh yeah kill him kill him like i just can't stand it. like i just the design is terrible on that thing and uh i hate like they gave him the the brain sound of a mule or donkey as like one of his song uh, sounds that he makes and it's just like really annoying um and yeah i just i hate everything about that little piece of crap so
1: is it uh better or worse than talking pikachu
0: i mean i i never found <laughs> talking pikachu to be that like what were we talking like detective pikachu or just regular pika pika like what, what's no, the no, talking? No,
1: like like detective pikachu. <laughs> oh Aww. yeah i mean that's
0: ryan reynolds so that was like fine you know i had, <laughs> I, had, I, had I, I had a great time at that movie i got i uh Bought two pitchers of beer, thinking that my brother and I were going to split both of them throughout the course of that movie and another film we were doing as a double feature. My brother only had one pint and was like, oh, I didn't want any more beer. And I'm like, you told me to get (laughs) two pitchers. Ah. So he had to drive me home. uh, And I was very drunk. So maybe that's also why I didn't find Detective (laughs) Pikachu to be that bad. but like. Um, anyway Godzilla marathon going quite well um, even though there's been some stinkers and uh, I have been posting those reviews on letterbox sticking to like three sentences or less um, and since I've just finished 10 I'm going to post a ranking of the first 10 pretty shortly here just for fun on Twitter and I'll do that probably at each 10 mark you know so at 20 I'll do it again and 30 I'll, I'll do it to, to wrap it all up so it better be worth it that's all I can say it's a lot of <laughs> movies with Godzilla. Um, okay, before we go to the side quests, um, Will was kind enough to point out in our little private group chat that the abyss is coming back to movie theaters. I think it's like one night only, right? It's, it's like a very short engagement for a 4k special edition remaster. This is of course the James Cameron film, um, that is all about the mysteries of the deep dark ocean. May, you said you've not seen it, so we're gonna try to veer away from like major spoilers. um But we'll like, uh, I'm assuming since you dropped this in our chat, you're a fan of this film, yeah? I actually do like it. um I was very bad at trying to
2: tell May what the plot was, and <laughs> so I've kind of been like <laughs> scrolling notes to remind myself because I'm like, why were they down there? Again? <laughs> yeah, it's like a civilian crew that's going down to like look for a nuclear submarine um there's like the expanded version of this film too that has like a lot more overtones about like political unrest versus like the theatrical cut so i mean i didn't look to see if it's going to be like the if the remastered version is going to be theatrical or not but um i think i like either version like I, i like either version um i think that a lot of people do not maybe this would have been like a good choice for like the you know the the movie that you think most critics didn't like i feel like the vibe is oh. that most people were not a fan of the abyss but i could be wrong about that cuz i've never i don't know i like it but uh basically just like uh an oil cr- oil rig crew that's going out to try and look for a submarine and they get caught in a storm and like the Obviously, this star is on the surface. They can't come back up to the surface, and they have to stay down there. And then the other stuff happens along the way, um, and there's this mysterious force that's down there that they're trying to figure out what it is. Um, a lot of cool uh, special effects uh, that Chris was bitching um, off the podcast, but uh, were definitely like groundbreaking at the time and segued very well into other uh, Cameron projects like Terminator Two.
0: So So confirmed, it is the um, special edition, which I don't know if I've actually seen. So I might go go see this in theaters just because like if it's like James Cameron's like one of the few directors when I see director's cut or special edition, Mm. I'll actually sit up and pay attention. Um, Aliens like comes to mind like that's his preferred version of the film and like probably 10% of the population seen it and it is by far the better version of Mm. Aliens. little bit longer you know it's like probably close to three hours but for uh for monetary reasons they didn't release it into theaters and i don't know if it was the same thing with the abyss like maybe the runtime was getting a little too long for like you know the more length of the movie the less times they can show it so that's usually what that comes down to a lot of times with box office but uh
2: I'm pretty sure because I feel like, yeah, it's 171 minutes. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. I feel like Cameron was like, now is my time. Everybody's going to see these Marvel movies that are forever long. And my Avatar films can be the same length. So let's do it. Let's double down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Again, I don't mind like that guy like has earned like, I mean, so much benefit of the doubt. I love when Avatar Two came out, and a lot of people, including myself, I had some sort of like, you know, some doubts. So, like, yeah, well, like, how? What's the staying power of? Like, are people going to show up for this? And the answer was like, oh yeah, absolutely, they are like going to show up in droves. Um, yeah. Sorry, Very you cool. can hear my dog. He's <laughs> whining back there. What's the matter, buddy?
2: Come here. He's like, I saw Avatar as well, it. and it was good.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry about that you're good he can enjoy the conversation too he's welcome <laughs> but probably uh, has
1: as much to say as i do on this film so
0: how about the abyss yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah what, are,
1: what are his thoughts on uh
0: <laughs> it's a good december flick like to go see like if you want to see something that is like pretty creative i uh, i watched it over the pandemic um with marianne and she liked it like i think it's held up really well it's got a um You know, like a lot of Cameron films, like a a fairly well written, like female, like protagonist, like who has a lot to say and do, and is interesting, and is not just like a love interest, right? Like, which is always appreciated, especially for an '80s film. And Michael Bean is the bad guy, which is like fun because normally, like at least in that time, like he was like always kind of the hero character. So it's fun. Like this is like pre Tombstone, you know, where he got to be a bad guy again. And not even really a bad guy, like in the typical Cameron fashion, like for some of his films, like he's just kind of somebody that has a point of view. Right. And like he has good reasons or at least from from his perspective to do the things that he wants to do. Like he's not um, as clear cut, I think, as like some of the like bad guys you would see in a movie like this. But yeah. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking
2: out the director's cut because I think some of the like political overtones that are emphasized a bit more toward the end or actually even at the beginning too um i think are relevant and reflected by the characters and kind of that sort of distrust that happens along the way so is it cold war type
0: stuff is that like what they're yeah yeah i figured okay Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so kind of like crimson tide another film that
0: we've talked about yeah
2: (laughs)
1: paul was back
0: or or the thing you know (laughs) yeah um The other thing that, like, I'll just add as a little bit of trivia for you, Will, since you're a South Carolinian, did you know that up until like very recently, um, the sets were still like up, um, just really dilapidated? So they filled it in these old like nuclear, um, like coolant tanks in like outside of Charleston. Um, and there was like these aerial shots of it all kind of like falling apart, and they finally, I think, like dismantled it, but um. I had no idea, like, until I watched it most recently that they filmed it so close to to where we lived. Yeah, I would recommend to anybody that wants to
2: on YouTube, there's a video, or at least that's where I found it. Um, there's a video about, like, all the stuff that went wrong in the production of this movie <laughs> and how it's like a miracle it ever got finished. And also kind of unfortunate for some of the actors and how things ended for, like their i guess their relationship with james cameron and how that all went over so
0: i'm glad to hear he's mellowed in his older age he was on i think it was a mark maron podcast like i heard recently and he was promoting like within the last year and he talked a lot about having to do some soul searching (laughs) and he like kind of always knew that he had this reputation you know um and like he's he's mellowed out a little bit. Maybe like switching like to vegetarianism like <laughs> helps him. I don't I don't know like. But he's got like a farm in New Zealand or something now. And uh, anyway, yeah,
2: I do think that just as like a random aside, like I feel like you have I don't know. It's very strange to me. You get like directors who, on the one hand, are very talented and have some good like I don't know sense of authority with getting stuff done. But then conversely are also like shitty people, (laughs) like to their actors. And I'm like, I don't understand how you could be so like talented and like, you know, a go getter and then just like railroad the people that you
0: need to get you the vision that you want. (laughs) So it's that industry. I think some of it was like the the times I think, like, We romanticized for so long this idea of like the tortured artist, the uh, the angry genius, you know. And I think thankfully, like we've slowly gotten away from that or trying to as a society to be like, yeah, it doesn't really excuse like just because you're a genius at what you do doesn't excuse like shitty behavior, yeah. But um, yeah, I know like the whole entire like set of aliens shut down for like two or three days because like something as simple as like he didn't want to respect the like tea time culture of the British like crew working on the film, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then they were like fuck it. Like we just won't yeah, work. Go, Hell fuck no. you. Fuck you. Yeah, like we're just not going to work on this. Like go- good luck making the movie without a crew. And yeah. Sigourney <laughs> Weaver had to kind of like famously step in and like kind of mediate like a solution to to that. And they had worked with Ridley Scott on Alien, you know, who was a British director. who totally understood tea time and some of the cultural like nuances there, but um anyway, I digress. I yeah. yeah. I agree with you, Will. It is like it's always kind of wild to me, like some of the stories you hear from, especially like '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s like films. Mm-hmm.
1: And... Yep. We're grateful to Chris for never skipping our tea time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> otherwise we would revolt. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would never skip on tea time. Um, <laughs> here's a here's a, a, a sidebar that we can cut out. But what's your favorite tea? If you guys don't have one, I'll mm-hmm. just cut this out. But
1: uh I, I have a lot of favorites so it's hard for me to say uh, i drink a lot of chai that's probably what i drink the most of
0: yeah good chai like a tiny little splash of milk and like a little tiny bit of sugar in it like mm-hmm. just just enough for the mouth feel right mm, that's mm. amazing
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm with you like i think like a good chai darjeeling is probably like also one of my favorites Ooh. like i really like the earthiness of that
1: nice
0: do you Thanks. drink tea will
2: on occasion if I want to calm down, it's usually like chamomile. If I mm-hmm. want to get a little pep in my stuff, it's Earl Grey. And if I need a little flavor, it's Oolong. <laughs> but <laughs> Earl Grey hot? Hell
1: yeah.
2: yep, that's right. <laughs> Gotta go the Captain Picard route. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Except a London looking... fog is really good too. So yeah. I'm sorry, what were you gonna say next? I was
1: just gonna say that Earl Gray has kept him looking the same age for 40 years. So <laughs> there's gotta be something to it. I should
2: Magic. switch off coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, there you go. There's there's your little uh there's your actual tea break for the podcast right there, talking about our favorite tea.
1: Thank Sweet. you.
0: And now i'm gonna go ahead and pull a quick side quest. Before we transition to Goodwill hunting, uh this category is Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, so yeah. I'm gonna read the description of this because I think this is a new one for this year and uh to the podcast in general. So this I is heard... talk of... oh go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say I heard T work, not teamwork. <laughs> T tea <laughs> <yeah>. mm, tea
0: <laughs> does work
2: and it makes the dream work. <laughs>
1: sorry um, I'll shut up about tea no 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 no!
0: don't fault. stop <laughs> it's just now it's the theme of the episode Um, so this one is actually perfect for the for today's episode anyway but it's talk about a film that you think was made that much better because of perfect casting Um, so speaking of Michael Bean uh, Tombstone is uh, a film yeah. that I think like you read that on the page and I'm sure there's some good bits and but like every single person just about in that film from bill paxton to powers booth to val kilmer uh like somebody else delivering those lines of doc holiday like in a different way than val kilmer like you're gonna groan like but then like val kilmer comes in and just fucking kills it um i think that's a great example of how you have the right cast with a mediocre script and you got movie magic like in a way that just works and it's like everybody understood the assignment that movie's so soap opery, but like there's just conviction from from everybody in the cast like there's even like little tiny cameos that like I forget about like every time and like sort of, I watch it and I'm like oh shit I forgot like this person's in this film this person's in that film um see I'm you're nodding along you've seen Tombstone I'm assuming will absolutely but it's been
2: ages man and I'm glad that you brought it up because i would watch that movie again in a heartbeat i mean yeah i i agree you mentioned like so kilmer you've got paxton michael bean you've got sam elliott you've got kurt russell um so yeah dude like i i remember i remember like vaguely like the basic plot you know and for the characters but overall like i I couldn't tell you much about the film. I just remember liking it Uh, a lot. And for the same reason that you mentioned, just like the actors that are in it
0: make it that much better. So, and I mean, like, so even so, uh, like Stephen Lang is in that and he plays the big bad in avatar, both one and two, like the, Mm. the colonel who's like ripped and he's really scary. He plays a complete coward in tombstone. Like he's got like a big mouth and then like anytime like there's violence or like, things pop off he like begs and he snivels and he's like so great in that um and just kind of shows his acting range but yeah i don't think there's a wasted performance in that entire movie like really um famous I also charlton like, heston
2: was in this what yeah yeah that's one of those cameos <laughs> i'm always like oh holy shit
0: yeah i forget you're in this for like five minutes you know but um also famously troubled production right like that's a film yeah. that i think like uh so Kurt Russell kind of ghost directed, like after they fired the uh, director, like three quarters of the wow. way through filming. So it's a little un- uneven. But I- again, I think like you-, you got everyone that like just instead of phoning it in and being like, this is disaster, just gives it their all. Um, and uh, it works like, again, it's a soap opera, um, like in Western, like, you know, like wrappings, but I don't care. It's It's great.
1: Haven't you seen it. All I can say is holy mustache.
0: Yeah, it is <laughs> great mustache. Yeah. It's cheesy as fuck. So like if you watch it and you're expecting like an unforgiven or something like it's not that like at all. Um but yeah, I, I love that it's become one of Marianne's favorite movies. Like so her helicopter squadron and the Marines, like all their like I you know, uh imagery and stuff was like based off of Tombstone, but she had never seen it and then like we watched it. Probably, I think, even after we got married, like, for the first time. And she's like, yeah, I see why everyone love." this. This movie is great. I feel like it falls in
2: between, like... So it's like... You, like, oh, what was it? The Quick and the Dead is, like, super cartoonish. And then you've got Tombstones a little bit more into the realistic, but the soap opery, And then, like, then you get to, like, the serious
0: Western stuff. So if that sort of, like, puts
2: a gauge <laughs> around where that's at
0: yeah yeah i think like yeah it's it's maybe not a step like as far as the same Remy like Western, but, <laughs> no but it's not too far off at times like genuinely like there's some bits in tombstone that are just like you're like oh this is so fucking cinematic like in kind of a bad way but in a way that's so bad it's good like yeah um, okay. I point like one of those stupid clickbait things like some like there was like a little thing like pointing out I never noticed when Val Kilmer's like wasted and the guy's like you're so drunk you couldn't hit nothing and he's like well I got two guns one for each of you like because he's like <laughs> double or whatever um, he twists the guns in like opposite directions which I've never noticed I'm like so ah. and I was like okay I learned something from my clickbait like image whatever That's cool but, huh.
2: thanks internet so
0: yeah that's your assignment will this weekend go watch tombstone oh
2: yeah gladly i volunteer as tribute i'm all over it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's not historically accurate at all either may so just prep yourself from that if you're like <laughs> if you're like doubts yeah, so like when you're watching it like <laughs> yes like
1: Why i wanted historically accurate hats on those cowboys yeah the historically accurate mustaches
0: yeah. Well, the mustache is actually like maybe I don't know. You're like actually, <laughs> sweet. Well, um, thanks for letting me share that. Uh, <laughs> that example, I think that really does perfectly encapsulate teamwork making the dream work. And now yeah. it's time for Mister Rotondi to uh to guide us through the discussion of goodwill hunting, uh, which decidedly. Different, um, kind of vibe than Tombstone, <laughs> just a little bit. Uh,
2: if Tombstone took place in South Boston, yep, actually, it's probably closer to like, oh, geez, what's that one that we watched? The musical, oh my god, I can't believe it's that sorry my... Yes, yeah. I couldn't yeah. think of the name. God, this is why I'm terrible at this podcast, you guys.
0: <laughs> For our audience, we're filming this like you know, um, during the week, like which is. Something that we we kind of like out of necessity during football season have started doing, but like usually we film on Sundays where I think all of our brains are a bit more like refreshed. So it's okay, Will. You're doing your best. We're all doing our best. <laughs>
1: He's mine trying. Smooths, <laughs> mine smooths out a lot by this time of the weekday, so don't worry. <laughs>
0: I haven't
2: gotten to baby Godzilla level yet, so as, <laughs> as long as shit. I don't reach that and get drop kicked, I think I'm good.
1: You just start <laughs> bleating. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so goodwill hunting awesome yeah um <laughs> when did this movie come out 97 no i'm kidding um so goodwill hunting is a film directed by gus van sant that stars matt damon ben affleck stellan scars guard mini driver and several several other people including robin williams who for some reason on the list of characters that's popping up here is not at the top and should be rectified. But Robin Williams is the reason we're here. So <laughs> definitely going to mention that guy's name. Yeah. The uh, the story itself, all kidding aside, the story itself is about Will, who's played by Matt Damon, who works at a, as a janitor at MIT, who is secretly this math genius, but he's... Uh, he hesitates to try and do anything beyond just working as a janitor because he's got a lot of emotional trauma from when he was growing up in the foster care system um after hours when he's you know cleaning floors he'll stop by professor lambo's classroom and he'll work out math problems that uh lambo puts up on the board out there and one day Lambo is like shocked to see that there's an answer to this equation that he's or to this math problem that he's put up on the board and he's trying to figure out who it is that's done it right around the time that he finds out that Will is the guy who is responsible for solving it so quickly. uh, It's the same time when Will ends up going to jail for punching a cop or assaulting a cop. And so he or I should say Lambo makes a deal with the judge to try and make sure that Will doesn't go to jail. Ends up getting him counseling sessions with Sean, who is played by Robin Williams, and it's through those sessions that we see that Will learns to to get a little bit more comfortable with taking risks in life and going beyond the safety net of what he's established in South Boston uh, with his friends, including Chucky, who's played by Ben Affleck, and takes a chance on having a relationship uh, with a love interest in the film, played by Minnie Driver, and. By the end of the film, not only do we see this, you know, this relationship that he has evolved with Sean, um, with his friendship that evolves with him, but also then we get to see him will take a risk and go out into the world and try to see where this love interest is going to go with Skylar, who's played by Minnie Driver, um, who's gone out to, I want to say, San Francisco by the end of the movie? Uh, I think
1: Stanford, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. So... That's pretty much it in a nutshell. Um, I remember this film getting I, I feel vaguely like I remember the first time I watched this movie, but I was definitely like middle school. I want to say what was it so it's 97. So probably or even younger than that. And then um, I and this is going to be like the most random thing to comment on. But I remember it was around the time where my mom had asked me if I wanted to watch it and which you know that for some of the stuff that's in the food in the film might be kind of weird but it was like she asked me if i wanted to watch it and then she was like it's not gonna be like an action movie so it's like i guess i was young enough to feel like i needed to have some sort of like i don't know some sort of like um action movie or conflict that was going on on the screen in order to stay entertained and i was just like no i'll watch it it's fine and even for being really young when I saw it like I really liked this movie. And so I am excited to hear your general impressions about it and to go through some questions specifically about Robin Williams and why I think I mean besides the Oscar that he got for supporting actor in this movie like why it is such an important role I feel like in his career. So um but may I'm going to turn it over to you first to get your feedback on what you thought.
1: I'm just imagining from that anecdote you said, uh, you talking to your mom and being like, is this a kissing movie? I know. (laughs) Grandpa, (laughs) (laughs) what did you read this
2: thing to me for?
1: (laughs) That's very cute. I watched this for the first time in college. So I was like relating hard to the like love story between Will and Skylar and all that. And that's like where all my focus was. Whereas this time I'm just like, really thinking a lot about sean and limbo and kind of like i don't know like the they're complicated kind of a strange friendship that like mm-hmm. had more of my focus this this watch for sure um as well as just the interaction between uh sean and will because i've been to more therapy now so <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so it's interesting kind of seeing like how my attention shifted. Um, I still like it a lot. I I will say the stuff that when I was in college, I was like, oh, this is like such smart, quick banter, uh, fell a bit more flat for me this watch. Um, There are still some really funny back and forth, though, between Will and Sean. Their chemistry is amazing. Um, I love for Robin Williams that he got to be a very serious and heartfelt character well, also still getting to be very funny, but just in this kind of dark and subtle way. And yeah. yeah, I just really appreciated his performance. I think this was a great pick for the category.
2: Yeah, I agree. Some of the lines. It, I, I feel like just the whole like setup in the bar when we first meet Skylar and you get like that one like preppy dude who's trying to sound very pompous and like he knows all this stuff to basically embarrass Chucky who's trying to hit on... I think either Skylar or the girl who was with her and (laughs) then Will steps in and tries to like one up that preppy guy. And I feel like back then that sort of dialogue probably was like, oh, you know, this is this is very I don't know. This is very smart. This is very witty. Because in some ways, it sort of made me think of like, oh, so this is like the evolution of the stuff like we get with like Aaron Sorkin, where it's like, we're just here to listen to characters talk to each other, you know, like very quickly and very like, having all these obscure facts that they just throw out at each other that everybody seems to know. And so, yeah, I agree. Like going back and watching it, I'm like, yeah, but only in the sake of this movie do they probably talk like that. Like, I don't <laughs> i'd just be more impressed if somebody in a in the bar would actually like just strike up a you know an argument and it sound like that but yeah
0: good points it makes for a good, good moment oh, right sorry. like like it's oh, yeah. like it's one of those things that like you just you, it's so well executed that you, like you're willing to totally like overlook the illogicalness of, of that whole entire exchange right it's yep. fun but yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, Goodwill hunting's just, it's an amazing film for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think that there's like an authenticity to it. Um, like it feels very much of that place. And I think that's because, you know, the people that wrote it and are starring in it, like have a connection to that city. And I think it's a really important aspect to why the film works. Um, I was curious because I was like, why didn't this win more awards? Like, what was it up against? And I was like, oh, yeah, as good as it gets in Titanic, like in L.A. Confidential, like that was a big year for for cinema and like really memorable films. So I think that's all the more impressive for me that Robin Williams took home the Oscar, like given the people that he was up against. I know mm-hmm. Greg Kinnear and I think Cuba Gooding Jr. were nominated for as good as it gets. And then, you know, you have a probably a litany of people with like Titanic and L.A. Confidential. Um, and I think it's well deserved too. Like, um, while I like Will Hunting as a character, I think like Sean, like every scene that he like he's in is like the more magnetic of the two people and it's really the emotional anchor point to the whole entire film. Like he's the key to unlocking the things that lead will to, you know, sort of the maybe not happy ending, but like hopeful ending that we get at the end. And um, I don't know, I just I love everything about this movie. When I rewatched it a few months ago, it had been like probably twenty years since I like I mean like since I had mm-hmm. seen it, like probably like right when it came out, honestly. Like and um I was just so pleasantly surprised by like how wonderful it still felt and like how well executed everything was and just um came together nicely for me. So um this will be one I'll probably watch more often than I did previously because I was like, oh wow, this really held up and you know it is a nice reminder of like the acting chops that rob robin williams had you know mm,
2: yeah i also think too it's nice to go back and see how people try to eavesdrop on other people's therapy sessions but <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah stellan scars guard just as an aside like his cre- his sort of like i don't know overbearing hovering creepy professor hitting on students and also like trying to just like sit on sit in in on these therapy sessions uh was just like yep, didn't remember that but (laughs) old enough to know that's not appropriate now (laughs) you're like fuck off
0: to gd prime baron harkonnen you know what i mean yeah (laughs) there
2: you go go back to marvel no um so yeah. I just bring it up because I love I feel like I just try to troll you guys about Marvel these days because I'm just like if I throw the dice, maybe it'll like <laughs> will spark another argument. But
1: <laughs> playing firewall. Uh, <laughs> yep.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So Robin Williams, like, first off, I agree with you, Chris, too, like with the competition that they had for the awards. Um and I am curious from some of the other stuff that Robin Williams has done, like are there any other films that you've watched of his that were very serious um, that sort of also stood out to you comparable maybe even to this, um, in terms of the fact that we usually think of Robin Williams as just like this, you know, spastic, energetic, you know, goofy guy, um and yet can do some characters that are either, very deep very um uh either dealing with trauma or in some ways are also like very creepy like he's done some very good uh he's performed the creep factor very well in a couple of roles that i've seen before so i was curious to see if there were any other movies that kind of stood out in that vein um and chris i'll, I'll pass it back over to you first
0: uh strictly like with for dramatic stuff um, there's really? two that come to mind, um, Dead Poets Society being one, and then What Dreams May Come, yeah. which is another. And that whole entire movie is about grief. And if you've not seen it, it'll wreck you, like, if you have any kind of heart. Um, <laughs> those are the two that really come to mind, um, for sure. Nice. Good. Was good it anything? To, it... On to, some, to some extent, but sorry. Yeah, go ahead.
2: No, no, don't apologize. Oh, that's good, actually. Um, so tell me a little bit more then about, like... Because for Dead Poets, I've seen it. It's been a long time, though, uh, of what it was that sort of stood out to you most about that, about the character. Uh,
0: Similar to this film, like he's interacting with, you know, people that are much younger and he's coming from a place of experience. Like it's kind of youth versus experience. And you have that mentorship kind of role. Like, yes, I mean, he's a clinical professional in goodwill hunting, but like there is sort of a mentorship there. Right. I, I would argue a little bit um about life. Um so I think like like you can draw that line pretty easily between the two performances. Um as far as what dreams may come, like I think it's it's definitely the grief aspect. You know, like that that's a film about a man in search of his deceased wife and like the afterlife. And it's it's very trippy and sort of like weird. Um but it's it's about grief at its heart. And you can almost like imagine Sean in an alternate universe going on a similar journey um just because of the way he sort of talks about his his uh his wife i mean like gosh man like she feels like such a real character because of the weight that he has like when you know like in his delivery of the dialogue about like you you feel like you know her so well and i guess more accurately like you feel his love towards this person. That's not an easy thing to do. like he's never interacted with anybody on screen. This is something he's had to purely build on his mind as an actor and like tell these stories and make you feel that like as an audience like, you, like he truly loved this person deeply. It's the way that he smiles, remembering you know some of the more fond memories or funny memories and <laughs> the way he gets angry, you know at will like it's just not an easy thing to do, man but, uh, but yeah, those are the two roles I'd pick for for that reason
1: uh well chris picked one of my mind which was going to be the poet society but um a couple others that have been more serious ironically i am going to say patch adams because i know mm. it's about a clown doctor which sounds very silly but then she gets heavy there are some really dark plot twists in that
0: for and
1: sure. um a lot of it comes down to kind of talking about like what do we owe each other what do you owe the patients that you're working for what do you just like owe other people in general and um I think that uh, the way he portrays badge Adams and kind of going through that journey of figuring that out is very moving. Um, I'm also, I'm torn between two very different options as well. Uh, August rush, which he plays kind of a villain character there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen August rush, but I haven't, um, yeah it's about this this kid who is like i don't know if like orphaned or something uh or like ran away from his parents somehow separated from his parents and is like very musically talented robert williams kind of like takes him under his wing but in a way that's like very clearly like not good and taking advantage of the kid and Mm. um like is such a scary villain and to this day I don't know if it's just because I'm so used to seeing him as like a lovable relatable character and it's jarring to see him be creepy or what (laughs) but (laughs) so that was good and then another one that's kind of like not a great film he was in is Bicentennial Man and... Uh, i think no bicentennial is pretty Centennial decent, I, think it's decent. I, I loved it as a kid i just pulled it up now and it has a 37 percent on rotten tomatoes okay, so the people fine. don't I, agree with us i
2: think we but... i think we uh we decided rotten tomatoes can suck it um yeah. even though it's an aggregate i think i think that was our uh our, our, my feeling i'm all own it i'm not gonna try and bring the group
0: in yeah it's been a long time since i've seen it but i have remember enjoying it well enough
1: yeah. yeah, and I I remember him giving very moving speeches on like what it means to be human and like you know arguing for the humanity of him as this really old robot person who is by all measures besides organic basically human yeah. and um just like is very good del- delivering kind of speeches in that in that role but um yeah I would have to say. I agree. Goodwill Hunting stands out from those for me because you get to see a lot of range and a lot of different emotions coming from my character. And he does get his like little monologues that he gets to do, but that's like not the only moment you see him shine. Like, like his is his face acting is very expressive. You can see just his body language, like how well he's communicating things just through that. And it, I think it really shows the different layers he brings to acting. And the subtle kind of very smart, dark humor, which I think is fairly authentic mm-hmm. to like his natural kind of humor is very yeah. nice to see.
2: Man, I'll tell you what, if I if I was looking for a therapist, I would <laughs> I would like to I would talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the um. I feel like and this is going to be really weird for me to throw out as two examples, because I don't remember Big surprise, I know. I don't remember much of (laughs) these movies, but I know I watched them. And one is uh, One Hour Photo, which I just remember how creepy I thought Robin Williams was in that movie. Uh, And then he was in something with Al Pacino. Insomnia. That's a Chris Nolan film. I know. And I'm like, surely I would remember this. And I don't remember. I literally remember nothing from this movie except the fact that they're in it together. So I think Tombstone and Insomnia Insomnia are gonna like go back up on the list because to
0: watch. I've not seen one hour photo or insomnia, so like oh man. I, I feel like they're ones I should have by now, especially Insomnia, but I
2: just remember being very anxious watching one hour photo about how it was gonna turn out and just thinking this is not like he's just a very creepy character. And I don't remember enough to have any other opinion beyond that. But I liked it because I was like, I am creeped out by this, but I am also really impressed with how much it creeps me out. So in that vein, it's just like you you see certain actors that you think that you would never imagine them in that role. And then you're just sort of like engrossed in watching how they're going to continue to portray it. Not necessarily to the same vein that I would feel like with Heath Ledger as the Joker, but kind of on par with something like that where it's like, you know, you just you would never picture that person doing this. And yet here they are and they're actually doing a really good job. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. I'll throw one more out there that just dawned on me when uh we were kind of going through the f- filmography. Um, Jack, maybe it's not well thought of. Do you remember that? Movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's one that like, like, I felt like I cried at the end. Like, mm. so it's like a kid. It might be a real disease. It might be something made up from the film. I don't know. I like, could have to like pull it up. But. Um, he basically is aging, like, like his body's aging much faster than like his brain. And so like, he looks older, he's bigger. And so like, you know, basically by the time he's in like, I don't know, like elementary school, his like body's like 30 years old. And like, he knows he's going to die very quickly. And like, it's Robin Williams being silly, but I feel like he had some good moments too. Now I'm curious. I'm going to look that up uh, (laughs) really quick. It's going to be like. Fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But
2: I feel like isn't that with Fran Drescher? Wasn't she? That was directed
0: by Francis Ford Coppola. Oh my god! What? (laughs) Yeah, it does have Diane Lane, J Lo, Fran Drescher, Bill Cosby, and oh my god, it is a real thing. It's called Werner Syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay, I'm um, like, so it's just been like forever, and it's got kind of 17, so two percent more than, than I predicted. <laughs> what's the what, that is right, a so
1: wild for... cast, too? Jesus,
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. It probably it's doesn't just... work now, but I at the time I remember thinking, like, you did all right.
2: <laughs> just for shits, is the what's the rating on that Godzilla movie that you
0: hate so much? Oh, uh, all monsters yeah, attack. Can... Yeah, yeah we can pro- cut this. I just want it
2: <laughs> Since we're riding the Rotten Tomatoes trade, man.
0: <laughs> uh, All Monsters Attack has 25% on. What? Uh, but it's only eight <laughs> critics. It's only eight critics. So, like, uh, we're, we're going so like, to say there's some like, there's some diffusion there <laughs> like for, for good old Jack. But I guarantee you have nice. more fun watching Jack.
2: All right oh cool it diverting you guys off into random trains of thought uh so i guess back then to will hunting is there a particular scene with robin williams in it that really stood out to you the most i know this is sort of a loaded question because i know that chris has already mentioned like and it's okay if you want to say this again i'm not going to take it from you it's the scene where like robin williams is talking to I'm sorry, where Sean is talking to Will and, and telling him, like, you know, it's not your fault. Obviously, the most powerful moment in this film. And I will not I will not argue if that's what you want to go with. And you can both go with that. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but I was curious if there were any particular scenes that really stood out to you that you wanted to talk a little bit more about.
1: And I think two that are back to back.
2: Yes. Yes, Well,
1: essentially back to back. I or really yes, you may. like. Uh, oh okay I really like uh seeing the contrast between when Will comes in and kind of like pulls his usual shtick of like going around the room and trying to pick Sean apart in terms of like who he is and what he's into and what his weak points might be and the uh shock on his surprise on the shock and look of surprise on his face when Sean reacts violently to him actually like really picking at the wife and kind of the fact that he hasn't really seen that repercussion from people in authority. He's only seen that on the streets, I think. Um, at least since he was a kid. And uh, like how how surprising that is to him. And then when they go and walk over to the duck pond and Sean Barry kind of calmly um, explains what he thinks of Will. It's just so interesting mm-hmm. watching their different tacts. where it's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to tell you what you are. I just know all the things that you aren't. And that's why I, you know, got over what you said to me earlier, (laughs) because you're a kid and you don't really know what you're talking about. And I was like, that's a lot of maturity. And I think it was probably really great for Will to hear Sean kind of explain, like, why he's forgiving Will for, for you know, really pressing him on the wife stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just thought it was a really good example of, like, good... Therapizing, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the chokehold part, but the the later apology. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta
0: you gotta choke a bit. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> we'll kind of deserved it a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, don't choke your patients, please. If you're a therapist and listen to this podcast, hopefully you don't need <laughs> me to tell you that. But like, if you do, here's your reminder: you should not choke your your patients.
1: Yeah, do telehealth, say something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get booted from the conversation when it gets, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice, uh, yeah, no, definitely good stuff.
0: How about you, Chris? Um, yeah, I mean, like, my favorite moment is definitely the um, it's not your fault. Like, I mean, it just like I said last episode, I'm in puddles by, by the end of that. Cause it's just great acting for both of them. And it's such a cathartic moment, I think where you get like this breakthrough and it's like the first time that like, I feel like Will's guard is fully down. Like it slips a couple times, like in the movie before then, but like, and I think just the interplay between them is so great. Um, if I had to pick like an alternate um, it's probably the first time that Sean gets a little bit protective or defensive with Will to um, I don't know why I'm I'm spacing on Scar's guard's character. Lambo, uh, Lambo, thank you. Um, where you can kind of see that he like for the first time is taking ownership and responsibility over like Will's like care and well being. Um, I think that's a really really like great and powerful scene and good bit of little character development too. That uh, like if you didn't know already from the fact of like like where he's working, the job that he chose, and sort of all the other things that point to Sean being a guy that cares more about life than, than money. Like, I think it's sort of, it's a, it's, it's a nice, like little reminder for the audience, you know, that uh, there's more to him and that he does actually feel some responsibility for, for will, you know, beyond just trying to like check off that. All right, we've done X amount of sessions and we've gotten him through his court mandated, you know, therapy. Actually off
2: of that, it sort of made me think about like, I like, you had mentioned the first part where he gets defensive, where Sean gets kind of protective. And I like where it just sort of explodes with Lambeau when they're arguing in his in Sean's office over it. And Will overhears some of it and then walks in. Because that, I don't know, it was like you're finally like, at least for Sean to just be like very direct about how Lambo is acting and his sort of self- just always being so self centered about everything, ultimately, um, that I thought was, I don't know, it's one of those things where you were sort of waiting for it to happen. You're like, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it needs to happen at some point. And then it's just like, yes. Like, it's sort of like when you imagine arguments with people and you're like, if you could just like tell somebody this <laughs> to their face how you really felt in a very like succinct, an accurate way, like that would be that would be it. So oh, you've never done ways. that.
0: It's great. It's it's not always constructive, yeah. but like it's <laughs> no. kind of heartache. Like tell us yeah. how you
1: really feel, Will. I, know. <laughs> I encourage you. Working
0: sometime. through my
2: feelings, guys. Look, and
1: right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I find that E.T. character. Look, I'm gonna we're gonna have some words. So.
0: I told you, man. Like one of these days. I'm getting you down here and we're going to get you on the ET ride. We're going to like the three of us are going to sit in the front. We're going to put you in the seat that has ET popping out of the basket. And we're going to work yeah. through all those feelings. And just like Goodwill hunting, we're going to like rub your back and be like, it's not your fault. It's not yeah. your fault. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I might need a picture beforehand. It might make it better. Uh, we can, you know.
0: Well, that's great. Because right next door to where ET is, is the Simpsons area that has the uh, um, Moe's bar. So we'll, we'll go get a picture at Moe's. Well, along with
2: that, before we kind of start to wrap everything up, I wanted to see if there were any other any other aspects of the film character wise, specific scenes could be the plot. Pretty much anything that stood out to you about the film, taking it kind of a step back for Robin Williams, if you want to. We don't This isn't necessarily about uh, him or the character of Sean, but just anything else about goodwill hunting that you want to make sure that we cover before we wrap up. And Chris, I will pass it back over to you.
0: Yeah, I just like I love the the bow like like the way they put a bow on this like film. Uh mm-hmm. it's a payoff that like it's a little cheesy, but you have the um the speech from um earlier in the film where chucky is like you know like what i hope is going to happen is that i come up here and i knock on the door and like you're just like gone and it's very similar to like what they do in the dark knight rises where yes! michael kane's like <laughs> sometimes i fantasize about looking and seeing you like you know it's like it's the same exact kind of ending like in a way um But I love how they, like, they kind of intercut, like, that with Robin Williams, like, reading the letter. And it's just, it's such a, like, you get such a warm feeling. I mean, who knows? Like, maybe it works out for him, maybe it doesn't. But it's just the bright little nugget of hope that's, like, at the center of there. And as cheesy as I know it is, like, I think it's just a, it's a wonderful ending to a film that feels, like, earned, I think. So, yeah, that's. again face acting i'm a big fan of ben affleck does like great face acting in that yeah and that and that whole entire sequence so just robin williams too like reading the letter and then of course you know son of a bitch stole my line it's great yes (laughs) Um, i read that was ad-libbed actually
2: which was like yeah because i kind of feel like you would expect that with robin williams in anything that he does and so that was very pleasantly that was a pleasant surprise to to hear about that (sighs) also for will's car man like good luck lo- i mean don't get me wrong i think your chances with stuff working out with skylar are better than that car making it all the way to san
1: francisco
0: like <laughs> he's a genius bro he's gonna like he'll go into the woods he'll make some fucking flying machine like straight out of like a da vinci <laughs> drawing <laughs> and helicopter the rest of the way there it's fine oh
1: my god um can i share some pet peeves that i have about this film
2: Yes,
0: yes please so I, love,
1: I love all the parts that robin williams is in and then i have a lot of pet peeves of the other stuff um my two big ones are one just kind of like the trope of like it of like chosen one but specifically because it's like you're smart <laughs> mm-hmm. and just like the i don't know the way they describe his genius is just very unrealistic to me because it's like yeah you can have people who are very talented or a savant in one area But that almost never applies to every single kind of knowledge or learning. And it just kind of doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, Maybe it's because I'm not a genius.
0: Are you you saying like if I don't (laughs) read more books, I can't be a Will Hunting? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That's what I took from the film is you just got to read enough books and I it's just it.
1: it's a trope that bothered me yeah. it's just like chosen one but it's like oh we need him because he's super smart and we're not defining that in any way that makes any sense mm. um so that's always bothered me and then i'm sorry chris i hate the ending um
0: well, it's not <laughs> nice. even december you can't bring out the grinch nice. yet, okay like <laughs> it's not december yet oh my god here we go
1: <laughs> and i okay i hate it because i get him going off and doing his own thing i love that i hate that they had to make it about the girl because i'm like dude you told her to her face angrily that you don't love her you then it's a
0: defense mechanism and it's about the Robert williams wife thing you know
1: when she called one more time he was like hey like are you sure he was like bye Yep. And now without calling, no nothing. He's just driving out there and expecting things to work out.
0: It's John and Cusack with I, the 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 box, you know? Like I
1: don't even want it to work out for them. That's doomed. Oh That's my hellish. God. Chris, if you got
0: time, <laughs> do the little x-ray vision of the tiny little heart or just superimpose it like the Grinch Like <laughs> over May. <laughs> oh my god.
1: They both deserve better, okay? <laughs>
2: I, I, mean, don't it really great. Great. I don't mean really <laughs> so if I was like, <laughs> like it's a wall, movie logic you know? thing.
0: It's like Casablanca. Like if you yeah. stop to pick apart those relationships, like on any level, oh my gosh, like there there's so much toxicity in that. But it doesn't matter because like, you know, it's bogey and anyway.
1: I know. I just I would have felt a lot happier for him if he was just driving off to another city no clear picture of what he's going to do but he knows he knows he doesn't have to tell anyone else but he knows what he's going to do and that's clear like he has figured himself out that would have made me so much happier just leave Skylar alone she's in Stanford she'll find she'll find a man
0: (laughs) May Finch holds a grudge (laughs) y'all don't get on her bad side (laughs) Uh, and that's it otherwise I love the
1: movie sorry
0: it's okay (laughs) as we've said like we don't always have the same opinions and that's what makes discussing film great yeah also you have a tiny (laughs) tiny tiny heart cold oh but it's okay
1: i just want them to find better better people come on
2: he's gonna have to work on his anger management a little bit can't just be slamming walls next to people's faces gotta be careful Mm
1: -hmm
0: yeah you need to find a therapist that'll really choke him like out and you know, <laughs> somebody bigger he needs to graduate to some guy with like like a wrestlers yeah. like <laughs> yeah i do have
2: a random question because it amused my wife well i shouldn't say. it amused me at how much my wife did not like it but when <laughs> when skylar's like hey psst. I got a, I got a question for you. Come here, and she leans in, and um, I'm sorry, my phone just went off there, so I'm gonna redo that for your editing. But when Skylar's like, "Hey, come here," I had, I have something I want to tell you, and leans in and just like slobber kisses him. <laughs> my wife was just like, "Oh, what the," <laughs> which I loved and so i just wanted to share that so yeah. rachel i
0: love you and i I, your opinion matters to me so i'm putting it on the podcast <laughs> i've i've literally not exactly that thing but like sometimes you know how it is like you're trying to take photos and there's like a a sweet spot where like the posing and everything is well and it's natural and then it's like you're trying to get like a better one and then things kind of start to like fall apart because everyone's like thinking about it too hard I have literally licked the side of my wife's face, like just to like get her to like loosen up and like laugh and like you know, like more just to you know get a get a reaction. So, um, I I sympathize for the slobbery kiss. I think that that's the Say kind of dumb Maria. shit that I do. <laughs> like
1: no? kissing's all
0: right just like watch the food i wouldn't thing, do it like, in public like, like you know what i mean like this is like, like i'm talking like family gatherings and shit where it's like oh yeah. Yeah. just
1: in front of your family yeah It's like
0: grab and then like
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, just like one big long like tongue stroke up the side of the face like a cartoon character like a yeah. Scooby doo yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> you know, uh,
0: i'll tell you what it works though man yes yeah. <laughs> Not thinking about like getting the perfect pose anymore. She's too busy punching me usually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah.
1: Oh god,
2: that was.
1: Um, I thought it was a cute move personally. Not whatever Chris is describing in the movie. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I agree, the kiss was very aggressive. Like I think it's cute if you're like going for a little kiss, but that it, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I I understand
2: where your wife's coming from, Will. Awesome. I think overall, like, as a character, I remember really liking Minnie Driver and how she portrayed Skylar in this movie. Like, I know there's not a whole lot that goes on. And that's just sort of the, unfortunately, that's just kind of the, the realm that a lot of female roles ended up with. But, like, I just really believe that she cared about Will. And... I just thought she was a really good actor. And that, I think that was the first thing I ever saw her in. Granted, I haven't seen too many things since then with her. And she pops up now and again in the stuff that I'll watch. But, like, I really liked the job that she did with what she had. So, yep. yep. Gonna sh- give a quick shout-out to Minnie Driver.
1: Hell oh, yeah. She's in uh, Arthelagme and Death* too. I saw her recently.
2: What's yeah. Nice. Oh, man. Another reason to watch that show. Still haven't. But I know you guys like it, so... <laughs> indeed excellent well i think that's pretty much it for what i've got so if you guys are good as well then we will transition over to a quick lightning
0: round one one quick hypothetical question for you would so we talk about sequels and prequels would -hmm. you watch a prequel called bad will hunting <laughs> <laughs> that's about like <laughs> will hunting just being like like at his worst like
1: <laughs> I do anyway. kind of want to see all those court cases he got himself like acquitted from
0: <laughs> Yeah, no me too man. Like that's like that uh, I'd watch that. Um if nothing else like maybe like a short like parody sketch like on SNL or something. Um I think there's a Jay and Silent Bob or Kevin Smith movie where they they parody the how do yeah. you like them apples like thing? It's in one of those films and it's got Gus Van Sant and like the same actors and everything. And like anyway. So. Yeah, isn't it like Jay and
2: Silent Bob strike back? Because I read yeah. about that too, where it's like, cause I, I remember watching the movie and I vaguely remember them pitching a sequel to Goodwill Hunting. And I didn't realize that Gus Van Sant at the time when I saw that he was in there and had a cameo. Um, uh, but I remember, or at least I didn't remember it. Um, Having happened. And then also just the fact that like Kevin Smith's pretty much the reason why this script that Ben Affleck and uh, I'm sorry that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote for this film. So
0: it's, you know, it's only... I, think I don't know. I was... It's only
2: fitting that it would be like honored then later in a Kevin Smith movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, it makes sense. Like, I, I just I couldn't remember which, you know, he made a lot of stuff in the 90s. And if it was Jane Silent, Bob Strikes Back, I was way too traumatized from something that happened earlier in that film. Oh. I wasn't like old enough to go see it like without like a parent or guardian. So we went with my friend's mom and I will tell that story off the mic uh, because I I will turn a shade of red that's deeper than anything on the screen currently. Like, (laughs) like if I have to tell that story. But yeah, anyway, not a good movie to see with uh, your friend's mom. Like we'll put it that way.
2: We've all mm, we all I think we all have those stories. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But yeah, not Ellie, so.
0: Yeah, look at the Ellie dog. Oh my god! Ah
2: puffers.
0: Ellie, you better come to D and D next week. Aww.
1: I wish. I don't think she get along with the kitty cats.
0: Oh yeah, true, true, true.
1: She was bothering me, and if I pick her up and annoy her, she usually leaves me alone.
2: oh. <laughs>
0: well i'm sorry will to derail that with bad will hunting but <laughs> no don't
2: apologize that's why a i appreciate you editing this stuff and b that's what it's here for there's no plan trust me you listen to me ramble on about like a bunch of stuff that has no bearing whatsoever on half the stuff we talk about so you're good buddy um i was trying there was something else too that came to mind oh just something random that I remember reading through, too, like as a surprising uh, making of fact, which was that John Lithgow apparently was the reason why they were able to film at Harvard, because of, ah. like they tried to at first. And I don't know how he found out about it, but he reached out and I guess made a phone call and got permission for them to do that, which I thought was really cool.
0: I wonder if he's um, he like alumni maybe or something. I think so yeah yeah. So, usually like, that's like those connections like if it's not just straight cold hard cash with Ivy League universities it's like mm-hmm. some sort of connection to alumni but that's cool talk about some guy that can do funny and scary Woo. yes oh man yeah him for Trinity, next time <laughs> Trinity Killer and Dexter like one of the oh, I, I still have nightmares like literal nightmares about that character but anyway nice. all right well,
2: guys, any other thoughts? Last minute thoughts, questions, concerns, emotional. Um,
1: I shared all my concerns. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, if you got some time for it, I've got a little lightning round of keyword countdown that we can do. Uh, so. Oh yeah. Be- before we jump into it, though, Chris, I uh, I'm gonna gonna have to ask you to do me a solid and do your intro for it because you do it the best, and also. <laughs> I want to make sure that we give credit where credit's due so yeah easily.
0: no problem at all um uh, so yeah keyword countdown is a game that is created by gavin murphy of rkg video who are still playing through elden ring it's a very big game so they have a playthrough mm-hmm. right now and just recently put out a ranking of all the houses at uh, halloween horror nights from this most recent year at universal studios uh we are using it with permission from gav gav thank you so much for letting us play you should check out RKG video um, at the link that I'll include in the episode description description.
2: So the film that I've got isn't really related to what we've watched, which is somewhat of a clue, but I've got 10 keywords to guess it with. And then I will give you the final answer if you are not able to do so before then.
0: So So to explain for the audience really quickly. uh, Mm -hmm. So he's going to give us 10 keywords from Mm imdb.com In, like, somewhat subjective, like, descending order from, like, least obvious to most obvious. The mm-hmm. quicker, the sooner that we guess it, the more points that we would we would get. Is it just yeah. the one film today? So it's, like, all, all or nothing? Just the one. All, all right. or
2: nothing, man. All, all right. or nothing. Points do not matter. <laughs> it's all <laughs> or nothing. It's like, whose line is it anyway? The points do not matter. So, first keyword. Father-son relationship.
0: Indiana Jones and the Last
2: Crusade.
0: <laughs> uh, would be a great choice, but no.
2: All right. Next keyword female in a
0: shower.
1: Psycho. <laughs>
0: Captain nope. Ron. <laughs> nope. Next keyword man child.
1: Okay.
2: Jack? <laughs> <laughs> nope.
0: Clifford? Oh <laughs> no. Okay. Not like the dog. There's like a movie with Martin. The Short big red dog. Clifford, yeah. Called Aww. Clifford. But...
1: You saw where my mind went, Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I need to, <laughs> I need to clarify. <laughs>
2: You're named after the dog.
1: Uh, yeah. Keep keep going.
2: Next keyword. Orphanage.
1: Hercules.
2: Hercules. Nope. Next keyword. Belief in Santa Claus.
1: The Santa Claus. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Good guess, though. Hmm.
0: Miracle on 34th Street? Aw. Nope.
2: Next clue shopping mall,
1: national lampoon.
0: Nope. Next bad, clue, bad. Santa, oh, go
2: ahead. Yeah, no, uh, but, <laughs> but good no. guess because that was pretty funny actually. That was not what I expected you to say, Chris. Just like... <laughs> it's been a while since uh, I've seen that, so I was like, eh, maybe this is solid. Um <laughs> next keyword. Jack in the box. The fuck? <laughs> the most obscure list of subjective keywords. Nightmare before device. Christmas? Yep. Nope. Damn it. Toy Story? Nope. <laughs> Next keyword, one word title.
0: Elf. Yes. Ding, 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 ding.
1: Oh, good job, Chris.
0: God, man. The the amount of genres and eras (laughs) of like everything that went through my, that was a roller coaster. Yeah. I was like, what is this? I would like to see like that meme superimposed over
2: your image in the video of like the equations slowly like like zooming in as you're trying to think
0: about what... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll put the Greg uh, Miller meme where he's like, yeah, 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 there's stuff, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the last two I
2: think uh that I had up here were uh the last two keywords that I had listed or clues, I guess since there's more than one word is uh cotton headed ninny muggins. <laughs> And Gimble's (laughs) department store. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So thank you both for playing. Chris, congratulations for getting it. And also, we're just about riding into that holiday season. And I think Elf turned, like, what, 20? So... Why, shut the fuck up. No way. (laughs) We're old.
0: Oh, my God. Don't say that.
2: Turn 20. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Yep. Is
0: turning 20 wow well that is a good reminder we have one more traditional episode that we're going to do before we pivot to our winter holiday season where it'll just be holiday films of our choosing um so that is a nice pick will and a great way to help us segue Mm -hmm. thanks and thank you Who's ready to see what our final traditional episode of screen quest is going to be around
1: for the year do it
0: for the year yeah sorry not ever like the podcast is fucking over <laughs>
1: you keep spraying this on us every year chris <laughs>
0: that's right all right i'm gonna give him like an extra long shuffle here ah oh man what a what a way to transition into the holiday season uh it's gonna be our first past the tissues which oh, is no. our tearjerker category. Oh shoot. So after we've just watched a tearjerker. Prepared us. <laughs> prepared us for the pain. Let me see what the tearjerker is gonna be because, like, as is my normal tradition, I totally forgot to pull up the list of films. Um <clears throat> it is going to be we'll pick yes <laughs> so this will be your final one that you have to do for a while well unless you want it do you want me to reshuffle you've had no, two no, no, in no, a row no, no, like, like if you're right. if you're okay with uh, the, we're, we're on it. the fields train man we're gonna write it we're i ride believe it this might be a, a film that you talked about either in the very first episode of screen quest or within like the first couple and that is yeah. life is a house yeah so oh, um, I, I'm really like I'm kind of excited that this came up on the on the list. So yeah. um, obviously don't spoil the film, but um, mm-hmm. I know you have an emotional connection like with the film. Like, why did you pick this like just kind of briefly? Uh, so when I
2: watched it and I'll be candid about it, um, it was when I was a teenager and going through depression. And something about this movie just really the weird thing is it's not. The So Hayden Christensen's in it and plays kind of like an emo kid, and it's not his character that I was like connecting with. It was just the relationship that his estranged father, played by Kevin Klein, is trying to like reconnect. And there's something about it that just really got to me. So by the end of it, I was just like every time it's like water, at least it was when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, it was like waterworks every time I would watch like through to the end of the movie. And this is not to say that I'm, I'm not like bashing Hayden Christensen by any means. It was like I, it was one of those performances of his when he was younger that I actually thought he did a good job at. You know, he got a lot of flack for like, you know, Star Wars back when it first came out. And so watching this, I was like, oh, hey, it's this guy. guy's actually pretty good. And the cast is great. And yeah, Kevin Klein man, was there was just something about that relationship that I just really. And I've got like a good relationship with my dad. So <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was something about it that just really got to me in a in, like a good cathartic way. Like I felt good having watched it afterwards. So good. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm very, very excited. Um, Yeah, I, 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 uh, I've not seen this film. Uh, it's one of my mom's favorites and Marianne actually really likes it. So I appreciate you nominating it. And uh, I really can't wait to talk about it. I think Hayden Christensen gets like unwanted hate like the star wars stuff i don't think is really like 80 percent of that's not his fault like no you know like when the script says i love you and like your response is no i love you like and that's that's what she got to work with like mm-hmm. i'm gonna say that like you probably did your best you know but uh any event um i've heard this is like a really good performance and there was like another movie called uh shattered glass or something i think that he was in that's i, th- I think mm-hmm. i could just be making that up but that's supposed to be really good but um yeah i really can't wait to watch it dude
2: awesome yeah i'll well. see if it still gets to me as much as it used to so <laughs> yeah you'll
0: have to give us a like a, a you know an update like we'll do like a little tissue meter like you I know, know uh-huh. that, like
2: <laughs> it was five tissues in no. <laughs> yeah we'll see i'll bring the beer that might also yeah there yeah you
0: go. Always helps. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. We, as always, appreciate the support. Thanks for hanging out with us for another week to talk about films. You can find us on Twitter at ScreenQuestPod. And uh, as I said in the episode description, you can find out more about RKG video and a couple of other fun things. Um, I am going to have those cards worked into the pile for the start of next year for the fan submissions thank you for sending those in sweet and after next week we'll have a run of holiday films beginning with the christmas prince may finch's pick from last year that sadly covid had other plans and we didn't get to watch so very very excited to watch that but
1: just be glad i picked the first one and not the third one
2: (laughs) Uh, what happens in the third one i watched the first one what's gonna happen
1: oh you'll see yes uh until
0: next time we hope you have a happy thanksgiving if you are celebrating um we'll see you next week bye bye guys